Hi, this is Bob Heiler of the Bankruptcy Law Success Podcast, where we introduce you to successful bankruptcy lawyers, as well as powerful ideas that can transform your bankruptcy practice. Today, I'm speaking with Stephen Skelton, founder of Stephen Skelton Consulting. He's not a bankruptcy attorney, but like me, he exclusively serves bankruptcy attorneys. He's based in Everett, Washington, and Stephen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me, Bob. Stephen, can you start by telling us what it is that you do for bankruptcy lawyers? Uh, Yeah, thanks for asking. In a nutshell, I bring their prospects in the door, understanding bankruptcy already as a solution to their problem, and viewing my client, the bankruptcy attorney, as a trusted expert and advocate for them. Okay. So that's a complicated answer. The way that I think of it is that (laughs) you're a trained salesperson that answers the phone instead of a receptionist or a paralegal. Is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. I've spent a career in sales and I've taken the the techniques that I learned uh, in the mortgage business and before that in the automobile business uh, and applied them to bankruptcy to help bring bankruptcy clients into the attorney's office. Okay. And it's, it's fair to say you used to work as a mortgage broker. So I think it's fair to say that you're a trained salesperson. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah. The sales has been my career since my early 20s. I, I started with the car company Saturn when I was 25, and uh, and sales is all that I have ever done. Oh, Saturn. That was the one where you didn't negotiate the price, right? Yeah. and But what we learned there was to build value. And Saturn had great sales training, and they showed us that you know people make their buying decision when value equals price. So Saturn took price out of the equation. It is what it was. And as salespeople, our job was to build value in the car. In the bankruptcy business, it translates over. My job is to build value in bankruptcy itself as a, as a legal option and to build value in my client, in, in the bankruptcy attorney, like I said earlier, by showing them as a a trusted advocate and an expert on behalf of the client. Absolutely. So I want to get into that, but before we kind of get into the intricacies of what it is that you do, maybe could you speak for a moment on the benefits of having a, a trained salesperson answer the phone instead of a receptionist or paralegal who might not have a single sales bone in their body? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, the first is the attitude of the person on the call. When a, a paralegal or an administrative assistant in the office answers the phone, most of the time it's an interruption to what they're doing. The attorney may have them typing in Schedule F or sending emails out to their to their clients and the phone rings and they stop. They've got to stop what they're doing and that new client is a distraction. Well, as a bankruptcy attorney, you understand that it's not so much a distraction, it is the lifeblood of your practice. Whereas a sales professional, when we're on the phone, with that prospective client, then we're right in the middle of where we're supposed to be. That's what a salesperson does, and we're fully focused on the call. In, in terms of the benefits to the to the attorney, boy, there, there's a lot of them. The first is that you're going to get more clients in the door and maximize your return and investment on your marketing campaigns. Bankruptcy attorneys, I, some of my clients spend thousands of dollars every month to make their phone ring. It's an expensive proposition. If you're going to do that, it would make sense to have a sales professional on the other end of that call. With so when it comes in, you get as many clients as you can out of it. Next, you're going to get better and more frequent Google reviews from your clients. Let's face it, when a prospective bankruptcy client calls an office, they're expecting to have a secretary spend 30 seconds with them and write their name on the schedule. Mm-hmm. When they speak to us 
and they get a sales professional who's interested in their lives and takes them through a process, allows them to say what they feel that they need to say. We, we rise above the expectation of what they had. And so that starts the process off to have a very satisfied client and at the end get, uh, get better reviews. Mm-hmm. As the bankruptcy attorney, the time that I invest up front with the client on the phone, that's all time that you don't have to spend with them in your office. You're going to have an easier first consultation and you're going to have an easier time closing that business because as I mentioned, they're coming in already understanding bankruptcy as a solution to their problem. And so they're ready to hire you. Uh, and lastly, and, and is the people that work in your office they're not distracted, as I mentioned at the beginning. They're no longer distracted by those incoming phone calls so that you can redirect their efforts towards other areas to help the clients who have already hired you, and I will deal with the clients who are calling in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, so, I mean, from a quantitative point of view, you know, if, if there's 100 leads that come in and 100 leads talk to you or one of your people versus 100 leads that talks to the average receptionist or paralegal, what kind of difference in terms of turning them into, you know, going from the prospect to the client journey, what's the kind of the increase in the, in the close rate or however you put it? What would you say? Vaguely, roughly. Okay. Vaguely, roughly. I, I, I don't know the numbers. The, the, there's a couple of foundational statements to my business. And the first is that all else equal, the bankruptcy law firm that employs a sales professional will close more business than one that doesn't. And I think that that, that right there is self-evident. And the other is that everywhere else throughout the economy where you have a transaction with a, a net revenue of 1000 to $4,000, there's a sales professional on that call uh, whose job is to make the deal happen, whether it's you know, F&I at a car dealership or the sale of the car itself, uh, a mortgage loan, uh, a life insurance policy. There's someone whose job it is to generate revenue that's, that's on the call, with the exception of bankruptcy attorneys. Now, how much better are we than, than just having a secretary answer the phone or, excuse me, an administrative assistant answer the phone? I, I don't know. I've never quantified it. Uh, I've never looked back to or I asked my clients, you know, how were they doing before I started working with them? So I don't really know the answer to that question. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I could. I'm not backing this up with anything, but mm-hmm. having listened to thousands of recordings of conversations with prospects between the, the prospect and a receptionist or a paralegal, I can say that it's at least a double or triple. So, so I'm very excited by this concept. Yeah, I, 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 I would hope so. My uh, my wife was my very first client. I'll tell the Genesis story now, if you don't mind. No, please. Yeah. Uh, my wife is a bankruptcy attorney, and we were married in 2007, shortly after uh, was when the, the, the mortgage crash happened. And that was my background. I was a one-man subprime mortgage shop. I came to work for her, and uh, I, I found uh, a stack of leads on, on her desk. And you know she had called a few of them. She had, had purchased them. I think they were about $4,000 worth of leads. And uh, I, I began working them just as a, as a, a sales professional uh, would, just as I did my mortgage leads. And boy, that was a lot easier sale than a mortgage, I'll tell you that. Uh, and my wife's practice went from a one-room subleased office office to becoming a consistent top 10 filer in the Eastern District of Missouri. And she had a couple of attorneys working underneath her. Oh, wow. So we saw in a very short period of time from 2008 to 2013, now just a five-year period of time that she went from uh, just starting out to being a top 10 filer. And you know the difference was having a sales professional on the line when people called in. Mm-hmm. So Philip Tyrone introduced us. He told me that he had met you 
uh, NACBA. Yes, yeah. I'm, uh, I happened to meet Philip uh, actually two NACBAs ago in Orlando, and then uh, we reconnected uh, in Denver. Okay. So I, I want to admit something to you, Stephen, that we didn't get introduced by accident. I've actually been working in my network to find someone just like you. And that's because I am a marketing guy. I generate leads for bankruptcy lawyers. So the problem is that that's only the first step of the things that need to get done. Someone at the the law practice needs to pick up the phone. And ideally, that person needs to have some sales sensibilities and set the appointment and get people to come in. And I've been listening to these calls, you know, because I, I use call tracking. I have a lot of recorded phone calls mm-hmm. and I listen to a lot of them. And, you know, I, my, my sense is that whatever a sales sensibility is, I'm not saying that's the only kind of personality type that we want to have in this world, but the the paralegal sensibility is almost like the opposite of a sales sensibility. So they're just really kind of botching these these, these calls. Yeah, absolutely. A paralegal is. A, I'm sorry to cut you off before you answered your before you asked your question. A paralegal is a task oriented job, and and it's very different from from sales. Sales is about you know connecting person to person and solving problems. Whereas a paralegal is is about getting a pile of work done. I can tell you if you had a pile of work to be done, I am absolutely the wrong person to do that. But if you need someone to represent your organization on a on a, a first impression basis, that's where you need a salesperson. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you taking new clients? And before you answer that, I should tell you that I actually. Signed up a new client for you this morning, pending your approval. It's one of my own clients, and it was actually an easy sale because this is one of my clients that is spend, has been spending thousands of dollars to generate leads, but then actually hasn't even been picking up the phone. The receptionist has been busy, so it's been really frustrating. That was actually the impetus for me to search for somebody like you. So we should talk after the after the podcast with the details on that. But going back to my original question, are you taking new clients? Oh, absolutely. I, I am taking new clients. And thank you so much for the referral. That's how my business is growing is, uh, you know, by people who are in the business who uh, understand what I do and understand the value of what I do. Uh, and, you know, just as, as Philip does. Uh, and if you don't mind, just a brief aside on Philip. I know you, you had him on the podcast just last week. And that's the guy who is on to something uh, with his 720 system strategies. The clients that we share in common are absolutely going in the right direction. Uh, and, and I'm enjoying very much working with, with Philips products and, and using them to help gain more business for my clients. Awesome. And just for the bankruptcy attorneys out there, if you haven't heard of Philip Tyrone, he runs seven steps to a 720 and 720 system strategies. That 720 system strategy product is the one that Stephen was talking about. And it, it's, it's basically how do you use a credit education product which is the seven seven steps to a seven twenty? How do you use that product to improve the experience of the bankruptcy client? Because the bankruptcy is just the first step in improving your credit score, and improving their credit score and getting a, a cheaper loan for your car or truck is really a very common goal for bankruptcy clients. So you can check out the Phil Tyrone uh, the Philip Tyrone podcast episode. I will link to it right in the transcript. Mm-hmm. So. That's that. Yeah, so I've listened to tons of, of these phone calls, and it's it's really pretty painful to to listen to most of my most of my clients the way that they handle the phone calls. One the one exception is one of my attorneys actually, or two of my attorneys usually pick up the phone themselves, and when they do that, they do have a call very similar 
to the one that, that you've kind of been describing, where the, mm-hmm. where they have an in-depth conversation with the with a prospect, but everyone else just tries to kind of set an appointment, and then they wonder why there are so many no-shows. Can you? That's one thing that you didn't really get into was kind of a. It's this is a hidden benefit of using a salesperson. Can you talk about how using a trained salesperson will actually reduce the number of no-shows for for appointments? Absolutely, absolutely. Anyone with a pen and a calendar can schedule an appointment. You have to give the prospect a reason to come. And and that's where I come in. And it's about building value, as we discussed earlier, building value in my client, uh, building value in their practice, building value in bankruptcy. Uh, And and you can do that. You know, I do that first just by connecting. I allow them to speak to me. I I allow them to say what they need to say. And that that drives relationship that, that, that builds empathy. And more than anything, it invests them in the process with my client. If they spent 30 seconds on the phone with someone and made an appointment, they haven't invested much. And when they see the next billboard, they might call that guy. But if they spent 15 minutes with that first office explaining everything going on in their life and what happened and what caused them to get there and all the troubles that they're having and invested that sort of time, they're a lot less likely to look to somebody else to solve their problems. So in, in a nutshell, that that's kind of the two things right there. We spend time and, and get them to invest and then we give them a reason to come into our office. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. I agree with everything you say. The only thing that... I might quibble about is that, you know, you keep on talking, you've made several references just now to, you know, the competition and other attorneys that they might call up, you know, when they see their billboard. In my experience, the biggest competition to you completing a sale is not the competition. It's just the status quo and prospects not doing anything. Is that something you've seen as well or... Yeah, you can shake them down into two buckets. You have people that have problems and people that have dreams. The folks that have problems, they have a lawsuit, they have a foreclosure, they have a a repossession on their car, or they're at the end of their credit, and this is the last month they can borrow from Peter to pay Paul. Mm -hmm. They have a problem that, that they're going to solve. And, you know, for them, it is the competition that we're worried about. The other, I call them dreamers. They've been bad pay for a long time. They probably don't owe a lot of credit card debt, but they owe every self phone company. And, and back in the uh, 10 years ago, they know Hollywood video and blockbuster video and all that. And, and they don't really have something pressing, but perhaps they saw a car on the side of the road that they'd like to buy. And like, well, let's, maybe I should call a bankruptcy attorney and wipe the slate clean. Yeah. That person, it is the status quo. That's the problem, the status quo that you're, that you're fighting. And that's where you really build the value in reestablishing your credit afterwards. And you implant, you know, the, you find out what it is that they're hoping to do, what it was, was it, was it a car or was it a house? And, and then you show them how bankruptcy points them in that direction. And for that client, the, the second type I described there, you also, you got to get them into that bankruptcy attorney just as soon as possible before that whim goes away for a moment. And it might be months again before they think about filing bankruptcy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it sounds like the uh, the no-show rate is a lot higher for the dreamers than it is for that other type well yeah yeah absolutely it is yeah maybe we could drill into this a little bit maybe could you give us some tips to the bankruptcy attorneys out there and how their staff should be answering phone calls maybe you could kind of gen- loosely walk us through how you structure your sales conversations mm-hmm. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Well, you know, I, I I have a process. I have a number of steps that that I go through. The, the very first tip that I would give to an attorney is that for the person who answers the phone to have time 
to invest in that relationship with the person on the other end of the call. That's the first and most important thing that, that I would say is that they don't care what you know till they know that, that you care, and you've got to spend that time with them. Mm-hmm. The next tip that I would give would be if the person doesn't tell you the problems in their life, to elicit that from them. It's a necessary part of the process. The person needs to tell you that Aunt Sally got sick or their hours got cut back at work, and they've got to tell their story, so allow them to tell their story. And what's a good way of eliciting that story? Well, in in my process, after I've established control of the call, well, first a lot of them are going to do it initially, mm-hmm. uh, and that's where uh, that's where a lot of sec- uh, administrative assistants, excuse me, will make the mistake of cutting the person off, because bankruptcy attorneys, we know that in the overwhelming majority of cases, it doesn't matter how you ended up thirty thousand dollars in debt, it just doesn't. Mm-hmm. Okay, but it matters to the person on the other end. So the administrative assistant will cut them off. Let's schedule an appointment and you can tell the attorney all about it. They're the ones who need to hear it. Mm-hmm. So don't cut them off. Let them say it. And if they don't, then after I introduce myself and what my role is and I gain control of the conversation, I will come out and I will ask them, what's going on in your life that has you reaching out to a bankruptcy attorney? And that's where I'll be quiet because the next thing they're going to tell me is the problem that my client has to solve to win their business. Mm-hmm. And then maybe could you just walk us loosely through the, the rest of that conversation, explain how that goes, what your goal is? Okay, yeah. My goal is, is after they've said everything that they need to say, Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask questions to fill in the blanks because I want to get an idea of, of everyone they owe money to and, and how much. So I can see the size of the problem. I'm going to ask them about how much they earn and what they own to see, you know, am I prepping this person for a chapter seven or am I prepping them for a chapter 13? Because either way, after they're done and after I have this information, then I'm going to pivot and I'm going to present bankruptcy as a solution to their problem. Now, I always give the caveat, I'm not an attorney and, and you have to come in and, and, and meet with my boss. To, to, to find out all this is, is accurate for you. But here, and then I give myself a, a little bit, because I've been in this a while. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you what I see. Mm-hmm. I don't see any reason you can't file a Chapter 7 bankruptcy. And it looks to me like it's going to solve your problems. Mm-hmm. First, and then I'll you know go through them all. I'll say, you know, you get to keep your house, or you don't have a house, so you don't have to worry about the trustee taking it. I'll tell them it'll discharge their credit cards. And it, well, they can keep their car if they like it. They can let it go if that was what they wanted to do. But, you know, with each one, I structured around exactly what's going on with them. And I provide, show them bankruptcy as a solution to the problem, ask them if, if they agree, and then I move straight to putting them on the on the calendar. Yeah. I just want to take a moment here to talk about this because I really like how you, you're talking about how bankruptcy can solve their problem because I find that so many bankruptcy attorneys try to emphasize what makes them better than the next bankruptcy attorney. Instead of just selling bankruptcy as it is, like just sell the cookie cutter bankruptcy it has so many benefits and people don't seem to sell the bankruptcy. They're always talking about their great customer service and how they, they return your phone calls. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and not there's nothing wrong with with saying that because it does build value. But bankruptcy itself has huge value. When I was in the mortgage business in the refi boom, late '90s, early 2000s, what the, the deal that I was structuring, Bob, is I'm going to convince you to take thirty thousand dollars of equity that you have in your house and, and borrow against that 
to pay off your credit card. So let's take your unsecured debt and let's secure it to your house, raising your monthly mortgage payment and resetting you back to a 30-year loan. Not that that's an impossible sale. That's how I made my living. And there's lots of people making their living that way. But boy, it's a lot easier to say, hey, you know, come on in uh, and, and file bankruptcy and pay back none of it. Mm-hmm. You know, just pay your your attorney's fees and, and your filing fees and go through this legal process and pay back none of it. It's, it's a much easier sale, and the people are excited to hear that. Sometimes we forget how little our clients know about bankruptcy when they call in. Yes, exactly. That's the point that I'm trying to make. <laughs> I mean, there are also nuances to bankruptcy, but even the general concept of a no-asset Chapter 7 it really needs to be explained to the prospect. Yeah, the process needs to be explained, but more importantly, how it impacts them needs to be explained and how that process solves their problems need to be explained Mm -hmm. and the hope they're going to have for the future when they're done. Mm -hmm. uh, In a sense, that's what you're selling is day one after bankruptcy and the rest of your life. That's what you're selling. There's also some subtle benefits like... For a Chapter 13, from what I understand, and you're the one whose wife is a bankruptcy attorney, so maybe you have a better answer, but I've been told that unsecured debt in a Chapter 13 is often the payments are calculated with an interest rate of zero versus you know, 23% or whatever the defaulted uh, interest rate is. And if you're, you know, even if you get to pay back 100% of your $50,000 in credit cards over the next five years in a Chapter 13, you're going to pay it down a lot faster at a 0% interest than you are with a 23 or 29% interest rate. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And for people that don't qualify for a Chapter 13, um, I, I have a, a little a speech or a talk that I can give to them. There are a limited number of options. They can continue on as they are, which we know how that will turn out. That's why they're on the phone with me. Or you can get into a debt, a debt negotiation company, or you can do a Chapter 13. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and there are three primary benefits that, to a Chapter 13 over a, a debt consolidation. Uh, and, and I go through yeah, de- debt negotiation, excuse me, not a consolidation. Mm-hmm. But I go through that one at a time. The tax implications mm-hmm. uh, are, are there, the, 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 the civil court and, and what happens when the, the, they start escrowing your payments instead of making them. Mm-hmm. You know, I go through that and I show them how bankruptcy is still the best solution to their problem. And, you know, you mentioned the 0% on the cards. Uh, It can provide budgetary relief, you know, for your month-to-month budget because the car payments can get stretched out Mm -hmm. uh, or the courts will often have uh, a court interest rate that is – that is usually lower than than what uh, the person has on their car, mm-hmm. and it can give them all that relief in their monthly budget. So even in a Chapter 13, there are still tremendous benefits to the consumer in a Chapter 13. Okay, just to circle back, you said something about this is this is kind of the branch of your sales script that you go into when people don't qualify for a <laughs> Chapter 13 is what you said. But did you mean when people don't qualify for a Chapter 7 because of their median income? Yeah, that's... That's exactly what I meant. Thank okay. you for catching that. Okay. Okay. Very good. Okay. So you've sold the, the benefits of, of how bankruptcy can solve their problem. What, what, what next? Well, after that, I'm going to move to build value in my client. At that point, I said, let's get you on the calendar uh, to meet to meet Joe, my attorney. Let, let me tell you a, a little bit about Joe. Uh, and this is where, for me, it's very helpful. I, I only do business 
with clients that I feel strongly uh, that when I send someone to see them, that they're seeing the right person in that market. I, you know, I, my clients, I know when I send them in to see my clients, that is absolutely the best thing that they can do. And so I just convey that to them. Mm-hmm. I say, you look, you know, Joe's a real nice guy. You're, you're not going to meet a big stuffy suit. He's laid back. He's an excellent attorney, uh, but he's a better guy. Uh, so come in and meet him. Tell him your problems. He's going to give you uh, his uh, his best legal solution or his best legal advice on, on how to deal with that. And, and you can do all that for free. And, and then from there, there's no cost or obligation to you. So I build value in him. They might they might ask questions about what to bring, but then I put them on the calendar because you got to have an appointment in, in, in order to get a client. Mm-hmm. Great. So you put them on the calendar and then, and then what? Well, then you got to make sure they come in. Uh, so you, you put them on the calendar, you get the contact information, everything in there. Uh, and next will come an email a confirmation email in it, have confirmation of the date, the time, the address, directions, landmarks, that sort of thing. And I always ask them to please respond to it so I know that they got it. Two reasons. One, email's the bane of my existence, and and, uh, I want to make sure they actually got it. But two, once again, it goes back to engagement. I want them to engage with me. Mm -hmm. If they have told me uh, that they're they're going to come, they've responded to the email, it furthers their commitment to come. So when when something better comes up that day, they remember, oh, I gave my word, I'd be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we we, con- we confirm again the day of the appointment. The very first thing I do every morning when I walk into my office is I go and I text out uh, to all of uh, uh, all my clients who are who have appointments that day. I text out to the people and I just say, hey, please shoot me a quick text letting me know that you're going to be there today mm-hmm. or a quick text confirming your three o'clock appointment. Mm-hmm. And we keep track of we keep track of those. We want to do everything we can to make sure that they actually come. Mm-hmm. Got it. There's um, I don't have it I don't have it offhand. I'll take a I'll look for it. But I sent a client of mine a link to one of these online services where you hook it up to your calendar, and if there's a you all you have to do is add the cell phone number to the um, you add the cell phone number to the, the event in your Outlook or Google Calendar, and it'll automatically send a text at that, you know, like like a little bit before or, or whatever time you uh, choose. Have you have you seen that or? Yeah, I have I have clients that use uh, that use similar CRMs and and uh, yeah, that's very convenient. I would like for all of my clients to use something like that. But we do want the human touch in it, though. That we uh, you know, we do want to monitor it, and make sure that the people do respond back, so we can get to them if they if they didn't. Uh, but automating that process is is very helpful as well. Yeah, got it. So we've kind of covered the theory of how you should structure this conversation. I do want to ask you a very specific question because as I listen to these hundreds of calls with prospects, the number one question that I hear prospects asks is, how much do you charge for a bankruptcy? And the answer mm-hmm. that I continually hear from the receptionist is, well, the answer that I hear is, it's terrible. The, an- the answer is, uh, you know, we charge this or let me send you a price list and you know, I did sales for seven years at some point in my career, and you know, this is an incredibly easy objection to handle. Maybe the easiest objection to handle I've ever come across. I would like you, as an expert, to explain to the masses what should your answer be when someone says, "How much do you charge for a bankruptcy?" 
I'll start by saying what it absolutely should not be, which is the amount that your your attorney charges for bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. That, that's the last thing that you should do. At that point, you've taken your attorney and, and made him or her a commodity mm-hmm. uh, where it doesn't matter what attorney you're – it's just all about the money. So that, that that's the first thing. Don't, you don't want to answer the question at that point. There are a few techniques, and I think they're easier said than done. You know, With you and I having been in sales our whole life, it, it may be easy for us, but for someone who's not a salesperson, it's difficult to not answer a question like that. Mm-hmm. It, it's a similar question to the mortgage business. You know, what's your rate? How many points? And I remember what my man, a training manager told me the, the, in my training session when I first got in the mortgage business. He said a lot of them don't mean that. Don't mean that question. They just don't know what else to ask. And so the the, the best advice I could give is to have your mindset that eight out of 10 times you hear how much for a bankruptcy, that's not really the question they're asking. Those are the words coming out of their mouth. But what they're really saying is, boy, I'm, I'm in a pickle here and I can't pay my bills and I think I need help and I really don't know what else to ask. So I'm going to ask that question. Mm-hmm. And there are, you know, so, so keep that in mind when you hear the question. Also, it doesn't mean that your boss has to be the cheapest around or you're, you have to be the cheapest around to win that business. It doesn't mean that at all. Mm-hmm. So the, the different techniques, you can ignore it like you didn't hear it and go on. You can test it. Ask them what they mean. If they say for a bankruptcy, you say, well, chapter seven or chapter 13, which one? Mm-hmm. And then if they don't know, you can go into your, your conversation or you could ask for further information mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and find out what they know. But you, you're looking for somewhere that you can break off and ask an open-ended question about what's going on in their life. Mm-hmm. Easier said, easier said than done, uh, and and that's why you know my clients are successful is because they have a sales professional mm-hmm. uh, on the phone to get through that step right there. Well, I, maybe I can just run my answer by you, and you tell me what you think. Okay, I'll put myself on the spot. Okay. So, uh, how much do you charge for a bankruptcy? Well, it really depends on your situation. Let's get you on in here to uh, let me ask you, or if, or if if you're just trying to build a value in that conversation, you might say, "Let me ask you a couple questions, and we'll see what kind of bankruptcy is right for you." Because mm-hmm. there are a couple types of bankruptcy. Okay, now you've just seized control mm-hmm. of the conversation. You've moved the thing away from price, and you're asking them questions, and then you say, mm-hmm. "So, you know." Why are you calling today? How can I help you? What, 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 uh-huh. Usually there's some reason that people call a bankruptcy attorney. What's what's yours? Something like that. Yeah, you know, I, I, I refer to that as the asking for more information. Uh-huh. Uh, and that is a great way to get past it. Hey, I can't tell you because I need to know more about what's going on. Can we talk? Uh-huh. Absolutely. So then you get into the conversation. The one thing you have to look out for, at least I do, not all of my clients like to quote fees over the phone. They want to take a look at it and 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 and, uh, and quote the fees in the office. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I would. I I I never I never quote. Just to clarify, mm-hmm. I say it depends on your situation, and particularly if I were in your situation, I would just be like, mm-hmm. "It sounds like what you what you need." I'm not the attorney, but it sounds like what you need is a no asset chapter seven. The good news is that it's the cheapest type of bankruptcy. But let's get you in here with Attorney Smith, and I'll tell you exactly how much you you have to pay. Uh-huh. House next Friday at two o'clock, something like that. Yeah, absolutely. 
yeah, you know, you also deal with price objection a lot at the end of the consultation. Mm-hmm. You know, particularly, you don't want to leave anything hanging. You don't want to give anyone a reason to call another attorney or a question, you know, leave a question hanging. Mm-hmm. So I always ask at the end, what other questions, comments, or concerns do you have before I can let you go? Mm-hmm. And if it hasn't come up yet, it often comes up there. Mm-hmm. And it's nice to have a little speech prepared. Say, listen, you know, Joe, is he's very fair with his fees promise you that he has very flexible payment arrangements. But in order to know exactly what his fee is going to be, he's going to have to look at your case. He doesn't just charge everyone the same amount as that wouldn't be fair. He'd like to take a look at it and he'll give you his fees up front. That'll take you start to finish through the case. Mm-hmm. Would that be okay? Mm-hmm. And if, if I've done my job well and, and, and they have invested in the relationship with me and the conversation with me, mm-hmm. that answer is going to be more than sufficient to get them into the office. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just for the record, should the administrative assistant mail email a price list to the prospect immediately after the conversation? Uh, and that'd be negative. No, <laughs> don't do that. That is the number. That is the number two response. The number one response is to just say what the price is, usually the lowest price, mm-hmm. and that sets you up as a commodity. And number two is let me get your email and I'll send you a price list. Uh-huh. Yeah, I watched. We uh, Susan hired her sister-in-law for a little while to answer the phone, and uh, before we had her properly trained, I was out in the reception area and I heard her answer the phone, Skelton Law Firm, and then she said, "Oh, twelve hundred ninety-five dollars." <laughs> and she said, "You're welcome," and hung up the phone. Yes. And I, I would, if she wasn't family, that was the end of it for me. Uh, but yeah, that's a, that's an example of exactly what not to do. Well, I always tell my attorneys that the worst thing that you can do is ask, ask, answer the literal question that's being asked, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's not just about price. It's often about so many things. But I'll give you a simple example. Someone called and, and said, maybe they were in Seattle and they were calling your wife Susan kind of thing. And they said, are you guys in Seattle? And maybe Susan was running an ad in Seattle to, trying to get people in, in, into Everest, something like that. I'm, I'm, I'm obviously just using this as an, as an example. Uh-huh. Anyways, I, I yeah. heard uh, in this example, I heard the receptionist say, no, we're in, uh, we're in Everest and uh, Everett. And then the client said, oh, you know, thank you. And then hung up the phone. Of course, the, the correct answer is something like we're in Everest, but the, a lot of things that we can just do over the phone and we can, we have a lot of clients in Seattle. How can I help you? What will we'll bring you yeah, and suck them into the conversation, something like that. But no. Yeah. Just a quick, we, we certainly take care of people in Seattle. Yeah. Tell me what's going on in your life that has you reaching out to a bankruptcy attorney. Okay. All right. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So all the attorneys out there, if you if you're hearing twelve ninety five on the phone and okay, thanks for calling. Maybe you should either hire a sales professional or reach out to to uh, Stephen Skelton. Stephen, uh, I, I do want to ask you a couple more questions, but I want to make sure that I don't forget what you know. What's the best way if a bankruptcy attorney is out there listening to this podcast and they want to get in touch? What's the best way that they can get in touch with you? Uh, come to my website, and there's a contact form there. It's stephenskeltonconsulting.com. Stephen is with a V. Skelton is S-K-E-L-T-O-N. stephenskeltonconsulting.com. Fill out the contact form, and I'd be happy to discuss what I do. And, you know, just from dealing with you, I know that you're busy during the day. 
So maybe it, maybe suggest a time immediately before work or after work to, that, that that's good for a callback. Does that sound? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I typically schedule a half hour before 9 a.m. Eastern, that 8.30 to 9 a.m. Eastern. Of course, I'm out on the West Coast, so that's 6.30 to 7 at my time. It, that's where I put my uh, my appointments to meet with new prospective clients or people who are doing marketing where I need to be on the phone for a while and because uh, that gives me time away from regular business hours. Great, great. So I want to ask you a couple, you know, I know that you're not a quantitative guy, but just maybe you could give us a, 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 give a sense of some ranges, like when you set an appointment for one of your attorneys, what percentage of the time vaguely do clients actually show up at your attorney's offices? Do you do you have a sense of what the number is? Yeah, I can I can I can speak on that subject a little bit. My wife Susan was the best closer that that I've ever worked with, mm-hmm. or is the best closer that I've ever worked with. And if I got them into the office. And keep in mind, I, I keep out people who bankruptcy can't help. You know, we don't set appointments for them. But you know, if I got someone into the office, uh, you know, if my wife would she, she would close them. Like it was news if if someone was a a good bankruptcy prospect and didn't file with her. Mm-hmm. For for the rest of my book, we we track the total number of appointments set, and then we track the the number that were that were closed that became clients that retained. Mm-hmm. We don't track any of the intermediate numbers there. But what we found is on a range anywhere between 30% to 50% of total appointments set. My, my best guy closes at just under 50, and, and my lowest closes at just right about 30 mm-hmm. is kind of the range that they're in. And taking that a step back, the percentage of people that – I know you don't track this, but you know approximately if you set 100 appointments, how many people will show versus no show? Oh goodness, I, uh, I don't I don't know the answer to that. Let me just kind of think back and, and look over a calendar and say that no show is is the biggest problem. Absolutely, mm-hmm. it, but it's also going to vary a lot. I, I have a client in Arizona that his marketing campaigns are almost all aimed at people who are trying to improve their credit. His no-show rate is higher because as we we talked earlier about dreamers and people with a problem, mm-hmm. his clients are almost always, or not almost always, but are, are, are the, he has a higher percentage of the dreamer type. Mm-hmm. And they're more likely to not show up. And whereas other clients I, I have, most of their people, are, you know, in fact, I have some clients that come exclusively from direct mail campaigns to people who are being sued. Mm-hmm. They almost always show up. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's difficult to give a fair number across the board because markets are different and the marketing the attorneys are doing is different. Mm-hmm. Now, you told me about your wife's secret closing technique uh, yesterday when we spoke briefly. Do you mind sharing that with the bankruptcy attorneys out there? You know what? I'll, I'll I'll hint at it and tease at it, and I'll I'll give the rest of it when they when they call me up. Okay, that's good. That's good. I like it. Yeah, you got to leave something in the bag, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, but but the the secret is that if you treat them as a client from the time they get in, that they're much more likely to become one. Mm-hmm. I will, rather than, it's not so much a secret, but I'll describe a a woman that she had working for her who did it exactly wrong. The exactly wrong thing to do is to come in with a yellow pad, a legal pad and a pen and sit down, talk to them for just a few minutes, answer just a few questions to find out if they're eligible, and then say, well, it looks like you can file a Chapter 7 bankruptcy. Here's what my fees are. Let me know if you'd like to do it. Mm. That's the worst thing. What you want to do 
is treat them like they're going to be a client from the beginning. Uh, I'll give one hint, pull out your computer and type them into your software. Uh, because if, if they see you do that and they see you acting like their attorney, they're much more likely to act like your, like your client. Mm -hmm. And one of the things clients do is they pay attorneys and that's what we're in the business for. Mm -hmm. So act like their attorney, let them know they're important enough to go onto your hard drive because you're a lot more likely to get paid that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I always say that people treat you exactly how you I, I don't I don't have an articulate way of saying this, but people treat you the way that you project you want to be treated. Maybe mm -hmm. maybe that's the way. Hey Bob, why don't I say it this way? The world will genuine well excuse me, the world will generally believe you how you present yourself to yes, be. exactly, exactly. I mm -hmm. like it. That's yep. much more articulate. That's why you're on the phone all day and I'm not anymore. <laughs> so I could see if uh, I was a bankruptcy attorney and I was sending you leads from AdWords or a direct, uh, a direct mail campaign, I could route them over to you. I could see how that would work. But well, I should ask is that that's a, that's a common lead source for you, right? Direct mail campaigns. And AdWords? In direct mail campaigns and AdWords, yes. My clients, now I don't do any of the marketing myself. Uh -huh. uh, I'm not a marketing guy. Uh, but my clients, they get their leads a, a few different ways. Organically, SEO. The, the big thing right now is to is to make sure that you have good uh, good white hat reviews on Google and that you end up in the, ma in the maps result. Mm -hmm. That's important. Then there is paid advertising. Uh, I have a client that's killing it on Facebook with paid advertising on Facebook. People are clicking and filling out the form and asking to be called. Mm -hmm. I have people that are buying leads. Some lead companies are better than others. Some are trash. Uh, and you just kind of <laughs> sift through that. I, I don't want to go. I, I, I know no, no. who they are. but yeah, I, don't, I, don't, we, I, I know who they are, too. <laughs> I don't want to badmouth anybody, but you know, but some some are buying leads, referrals. Uh, is that's the best source is referrals from your clients, sure. uh, is the is the best source of leads. Others are doing direct mail campaigns, billboard advertising, uh, television advertising. I'm not so big on that because it's not very directed, but apparently it's pretty cheap nowadays. Mm -hmm. But those are the different ways that, that people go about making the phone ring. Doesn't matter how you do it just so long as you have somebody on the other end of the phone to help you convert that uh, into clients for your firm. Mm -hmm. So that's all great. My follow-up question here is, let's say that my uh, my receptionist picks up the phone, you know, on the main number, which you don't want that main number ringing your phone, right? Because it could be a creditor, it could... Yeah, no, I it, it, my my business model wouldn't work if yes. the, if that was happening. In fact, I had to let a client go over that. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, the first client I'd ever had to let go. But you know, when one of your when one of your clients gets a letter from the trustee, I can't I can't answer that. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I want the receptionist to be trained to do kind of like a hot transfer and say, you know what, I'm going to put you on the phone with uh, you know Steve uh, Stephen Skelton. Uh, he's our I would probably give you a title or. Our bankruptcy mm -hmm. consultant—I don't know what the right title is—and uh, then I would do a hot transfer over to your your phone. Is that something that? Because I I don't want the receptionist doing having a sales conversation. I want them to either schedule a call with Stephen or someone a trained salesperson, or to do a hot transfer. Are those things? Is is that something you encourage people to do, or how how do they, how should a attorney? Yeah, there's three ways three ways to get a call to me. 
the first is is the live transfer. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I like I, I like a human being to always answer the phone. The the, the live transfer is, is is what I would recommend. Have mm-hmm. someone in your office answer the phone. That's not feasible for everybody, and, and I, I get that. So second would be uh, a lot of people are having a virtual receptionist uh, that answers the phone. Oftentimes in their voice, you know, they'll answer as you know, hi, you, you've reached Joe Smith Law. Thanks for calling. If you're a new client, please press one to be connected to our intake specialist, uh-huh. something like that. Yeah. And, and that, that works as well. It, it's not optimal, but that works as well. And then there's, I, I just got to say as someone who has listened to people, uh, hang up on, on these IVR menus, uh, interactive voice. I don't know what the R stands for, but the, mm-hmm. uh, the, you lose a lot of leads there. So I would not recommend the IVR approach to people out there. But it is a, it is a mm-hmm. viable approach. It's just you're going to lose a ton of leads. But go ahead. And what's the third? Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. And then uh, the third is to go ahead and, and you know I have a local number for each one of my clients. Mm-hmm. They can assign my local number to their digital advertising. Mm-hmm. Uh, put it on their website, new client hotline, or mm-hmm. uh, if you have a, an ad up. Uh, you can go ahead and put that on there, and it, it, a few a few more of the regular what I call office calls are going to filter to me, but I, I can tolerate that and deal with that. It's just part of what goes on. So mm-hmm. uh, that that's the third way. So you can do the the, the live operator is always best. People want to talk to people, particularly when in in a situation like this where where it's sort of a traumatic phone call for them. Sure. Uh, they don't want a computer answering the phone call when they're about to spill their guts to a stranger about their financial situation. Yep. You know, if that's not possible, then, you know, a, a, an IVR can work, you know, and uh, just put the, the the transfer there first, you know, press one if you're a new client mm-hmm. uh, and it would go to me. So sure. those are the ways to do it. Live, you know, live transfer is always the best. A person answering is always the best. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, you know, you let's say that you talk to a, a a certain prospect and you've collected all this information, presumably you're taking notes and you need to communicate. Maybe you set an appointment, but you need to get this information over the lawyer. Do you use a CRM? Do you use email? How do you handle that? Uh, Each attorney has their own system. Most of it works out either to a Gmail or an Outlook online system, a calendaring system uh, where, uh, you know, I'll calendar the appointment. They each have their own conventions of how they like things to look. But at the bottom is where my notes are going to go. And, and, uh, you know, I don't get into how much they owe on their Chase card versus how much they owe on their Wells Fargo card. Someone else can fill out Schedule F. Mm -hmm. The information I'm putting there is what my client needs to know to number one, bridge the gap when they come into the office. Hi, Sally. Boy, I am so sorry to, to hear that you lost your job. I'm happy you got a new one. Let, let, let's see what we can do to make this situation better. So I give them what I call the bridge line there. What's something personally about them? That's a great tip. And I just want to emphasize it for those bankruptcy lawyers out there. You know, if you're taking a walk and you're kind of zoned out, that's okay. A lot of people listen to the podcast like that, but Really listen to that tip of, you know, finding this bridge, this bridge line where you can say, you know, I'm sorry you lost your job. I'm sorry to hear that you were in the hospital. Whatever that is, look, read that in the notes before the client comes in. And really, you know, then you can kind of transfer that all the the goodwill that Stephen or a trained salesperson has generated. You can transfer that goodwill to yourself. Stephen, that's it's right to emphasize that, right? I mean, that's a big deal. Oh, absolutely. 
Hey, absolutely. It, it's about connecting and, and it's about empathy and, and knowing that the, to the, the prospective client to know, hey, I'm important enough to Joe Attorney that Joe Attorney read the notes before I came in. Mm-hmm. He prepared himself for a meeting with me. That makes them feel great. Yeah. They love that. Yeah. Everyone likes to be important enough to be prepared for for their meeting. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing that I'll put on there in the notes uh, is the problem that the person is trying to solve. What my client needs to do to win the problem my client needs to solve to win their business mm-hmm. or, you know, anything else that might come up that might trip up the process, I will put in there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we've covered a lot of different topics, um, but uh, I, th- I think we've gotten the core of what you do, Stephen. Is there anything else that you want to kind of share with the audience of bankruptcy attorneys out there in terms of, you know, what's what's working and what's not and to connect to, to your prospects to turn them into clients? Oh, boy, that's a very open-ended question. There's a lot of ways that I could go with that. Mm-hmm. If I if I could ask the question, if I could phrase it in a different way, what's a, a final nugget of wisdom that I could give to the attorneys, it would be this, that when you are sitting across the desk from your prospective client, yes, you are in a legal counseling situation, but you are also in, in a sales situation. And there's nothing wrong with treating it that way. Listen, Zig Ziglar, the greatest sales trainer of all time, said that a salesperson's best tool is the absolute belief that the best move his prospect could make would be to buy his product. And when you have someone across from you who needs to file bankruptcy, you should understand that the very best thing that you could do for that person is to convince them to file bankruptcy through you. You're a good attorney. You take good care of your clients. You're respected in the court. You charge fair fees, and that's more than most other attorneys. So your job at that point, go ahead and close them, win their business, earn their business, because it's best for them. It's best for you too, but it's best for them. So go ahead and close the business and win it. That's what I would say is my last nugget of wisdom. I can only say amen to that. The other, the, 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 I, I would just add to that, to build mm-hmm. on top of what you're saying, that and this comes from Ben Settle, uh, an email marketing specialist I follow online. But he often says that not only is it your, not only is it your job to persuade people when you know when your product can help them in their situation. Not only should this is this a job that you shouldn't fear, but it's your ethical obligation. You know, imagine that you know someone you're a doctor and someone comes in and they have a terminal disease. And you have in your hand a pill that will cure their terminal disease. It's your moral obligation to say to that person, I have the magic pill that will cure your disease right here. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. You've got someone in your office you know, who's been trying to dig their way out of debt for five years. And that's not unusual for people to tell you for five years, I've had a plan to pay this off in one thing after another, after another. And you realize that they have paid tens of tens of thousands of dollars in credit card interest, and they're no closer to being done with it than they were when they started. If you don't do everything you can to help put that person on the right path, then, then you're not doing the right thing. Yeah. That's what you, and, and you know, we're all good, decent people and we want what's best for people. And so we should just go ahead and do that. Yeah. Well, that's a great note to end the conversation on. Stephen, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Bob. I appreciate it. Okay. Thanks. Bye-bye.